Welcome to my shitty podcast, So Shitty It Only Has One T. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing. And of course, thanks for telling a friend. Um, I also want to thank my guest, Jim Hayes, for coming on and telling us a little bit about um, his life, basically, you know, starting out um, engineering, um, or I guess starting out as a draftsman, then an engineer, and then did some some movie set props, uh, and, um, you know, just kind of living the dream, baby, living the creative dream. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, That's pretty much it for me. So without further ado, let's let the cat out of the bag. All right. And we can get started whenever you're ready. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Whenever you are. Uh, Why don't we get started with um, introducing yourself and um, telling us what you do for a living. Okay, my name's Jim Hayes. I'm uh, an engineer and an artist. I've had a long career in engineering, uh, then into the film industry, manufacturing movie props and set pieces and that. Yeah. And then uh, into large art, metal sculptures and themed environments and that on my own. Um, how did you get into engineering? That was a kind of a... Uh, an interesting story. Of course, I did a little homework on you, so I know oh, know yeah. some back, backstory. But yeah, how'd you get into to engineering? Uh, well, basically, I got out of the service and uh, from all through school, high school, and that I was into the industrial arts and machine shop and drafting. And uh, I thought I was going to be an architect. That's what I wanted to be. So my final stuff was architecture. Uh, when I got out of the service, though... I got a job for a big architectural firm in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, do you know run, he... running blueprints. Yeah, <laughs> which was a horrible job. I, I mean, used to do that. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I had a On show. big, huge machines. It was they kind of modified them by the time I got in there, but I've seen the big, huge like um, the big uh, bruning machines uh, that have you've... like ammonia. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so that's what I did, and each unit uh, had three people running it. Mm-hmm. Somebody bringing you the sheet, uh, so you had a stack of the ammonia paper, yeah. a stack of the print, yeah. the originals, and you'd slide those over and spin them around, stick them in the machine. Somebody on the back side of the machine, which was like, you know, twenty feet away or fifteen feet away, yeah. would unload them room. and separate the originals from the prints and yeah. stack them up and do all that. And then somebody else would put them together in sets. That's what you did all day long. Yeah. So basically, you stood in one spot going, you know, moving side to side and whatever. And the new modified machines aren't too far from like that. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Oh. There's still somebody catching the prints and like stacking them and shuffling them. And then uh, there's a person like feeding in the originals. And then there's a guy on a computer like ca- well, capturing it digitally. Right. Yeah. So it's still three guys. And uh, it, it was so horrible. All day long, that's all I did. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I, I think I lasted about a year uh, just because there were other young, cool guys working there at the same time. So I was like 21 years old, yeah. maybe. That's about what, when I was oh, 20, too. Yeah. So they were building, they had designed and built the Arco Towers uh, in downtown Los Angeles at the time. And they were building them right across the street from where we were in a Union Bank building and like on the 27th floors where we were. Yeah. So we could see out and watch them building this. But I must have printed 500,000 <laughs> sets of prints for that building. It yeah. was just ridiculous. Yeah. So I got started there. I realized, okay, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I got a job as a draftsman at a um, manufacturing plant that built industrial, built aerospace equipment, test yeah. equipment for aerospace. And the owner took a shining to me and uh, gave me engineering classes two or three times a week for a couple years. I still have the mimeograph textbook that he made for me that's about four inches thick uh, in packaging, sheet metal, uh, you know, uh, all the mechanical facets of engineering. Yeah. Refrigeration, uh, vacuum systems. So it was really a good experience. And then I ended up, I started that company as a draftsman. I 
worked my way up as a to a project engineer where I was actually designing and building sys you know uh, systems and having them built. I ended up with that company uh, taking over their entire manufacturing plant as the shop foreman and running a crew of 60 people building all of these things and interfacing with the engineering department. And that was all his doing. Yeah. He just pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. Nice. Yeah, it's always good to have somebody like that in your corner that's, that's you know, willing to dangle the carrot and like, hey, dude, you can get it, man. Yeah, you, you no, it, it was awesome. So he gave me that engineering background, man. All the same, at the same time, since I was about 15 years old, I have been into cars. And so old cars, custom cars, building cars, cutting them up, painting cars, doing all of that kind of stuff. So that sort of started out as my art side. Sure. And then the engineering side, but they were both there all of the time. Uh, I stayed with them for a long, long time and then left that company and went into uh, the computer industry uh, designing non-destructive test equipment. Equipment, sorry. That's all right. Equipment <laughs> uh, for uh, the computer industry. I'm always interested. What makes that person like break? Where like you, you had your start. You were, you were, you were in a fairly good position. You liked your comrades, and like then I decided to go and do this other thing. What was the thing that made you kind of like? Yeah, I need to. I I don't know if I got bored with doing the you know, running, doing total management is what I was really doing by that time. I wasn't getting to design or do anything like that anymore. So I really wanted to get back into the, okay, how do we make this thing work? Yeah. Uh, And the first big project I had at the new company, uh, which was a startup company, there were only seven people. One of my friends uh, started the company and it was already a million dollar, multi-million dollar company on its way up. Nice. And he had shot off from that to start his own company. Was uh, we designed as a team, not me. I, you know, when I say me, I'm just that's my involvement. Right. I don't do it every single solitary thing by myself. <laughs> I wish I could, but uh, anyway, we designed a flying height tester, which is ridiculous. Most of the time, when I tell people about this, they fall asleep before I'm done. <laughs> But basically, it measures the distance between a read head on a hard drive disk yeah. and the disk as it's moving across the disk, measuring, uh, you know, uh, the height. And, and they, I mean, the, those little read heads have little ramps on them, like ski ramps and whatever, so that they'll fly at a certain height. And, yeah. Uh, there was an old thing that in, in the early stages of computers, they'd say my computer, you know, my hard drive crashed. Yeah. Well, that it really was a crash. So the analogy for that that some engineer told me at the time was when that little one-eighth inch square reed head is flying over the disc yeah. on this little metal flexy thing, uh, that's not an engineering term. To, I <laughs> somebody, might, thing, yeah. somebody might not fall asleep. <laughs> okay, so the speed with which that is doing it is a 747 mm-hmm. flying at Mach 2. One foot over the ground, looking at every blade of grass. Holy smokes! So you know it's scaled down, of course, in speeds and all that. But that's yeah. the that's the analogy that people could get with the speed. So when when they said your hard drive crashed, it really did crash. I mean, it just tears it up. Yeah. And you look at uh, discs and and circuit boards and all of that in under a microscope in that, and it looks like cities. It looks, it's just another whole world that's like really small. So I got really involved and excited about doing that. Yeah. And I did that until uh, my girlfriend at the time was a talent agent in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I also did all the art stuff and building stuff and doing whatever. Uh, My girlfriend had a really good friend who owned uh, one of the largest prop houses in Los Angeles. Just like uh, when you say prop house, just like... The hand prop room. They they rent props to the movies and cool. whatever. Yeah. And he had a manufacturing department that was sort of struggling, and he was looking for a director of manufacturing, somebody to run that department, mm-hmm. which entailed designing, dealing with the producers, directors, anything. And uh, I interviewed with him, and... 
he offered me a job on the spot, and I, I doubled my salary after 20 years of working in engineering to go do the movies, work yeah. in the movies. I doubled my salary in one move. Wow. And I'm like, what? They're <laughs> going to pay me this to work on goofy, crazy, yeah. wild stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, gorilla snot? Yeah, I have what? To make I have to make snot? I have to make witches brooms. Yeah, that look real. You yeah. know, I mean, just you know, <laughs> bombs in a briefcase, and uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm in. So that's yeah. how I got into the film industry from there. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some of the stuff that uh, that you did um, in the film industry. Uh, I know that you worked uh, on Austin Powers. Uh, I did Austin Powers too. Yeah, yeah. You got the uh, Doctor Evil's chair. Doc- yeah, Doctor Evil's chair and Mimi's chair or Mini Me's chair. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the Mojo Extractor and Anima Bugs. I did almost <laughs> well on two. I did every prop virtually that they had. Oh, really? Cool. Pretty much. I mean, it was one of my biggest jobs ever, and that was after I had left the original prop house company i went out on my own about two years after yeah um and that was basically because the owner of the company was just too impossible to work for i loved what i was doing but uh and i had built a really good reputation in the two years working for him in man running his manufacturing so i had gone out so awesome powers was my own uh and then he passed away and I went back to that company they sweet talked me to coming back the new owners because they knew me too yeah that's Uh, a good that's a good resume to like uh you know all the goofy shit on Austin Powers all the goofy shit that was me baby the enema bug yeah yeah. and and uh I actually have a mojo tube mojo extractor and a mojo tube and an enema bug at home nice I always made whenever possible and small enough I'd make extra stuff uh so I did tons of work through them first. Uh, Armageddon, I did a bunch of pieces for the film Armageddon. Cool. Uh, nothing outstanding. My favorite one, eh, not my favorite, uh, Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis. There's a, uh, and Alec Baldwin. There's a briefcase mm-hmm. that's supposed to be like a, a communication briefcase it's got a laptop and this is in the early 90s yeah and i had a lap they wanted the screen up here and the keyboard down at the bottom of the briefcase and they wanted a cell phone and they wanted a a, a thumb scanner and all this stuff so we yeah. built this thing but that was fairly easy having your computer building exactly right? this is yeah. why <laughs> this is why i excelled in the film industry like Austin Powers the chair Dr. Evil's chair really spun around and the back really went up and down yeah the joystick didn't control it that was out of a Bell (laughs) helicopter oh was it really yeah cool (laughs) yeah so uh and mini me's really went up and down on a ram I mean they weren't fake usually movie props of that technical thing yeah somebody's under there with a car jack yeah (laughs) yeah uh and even the even the mojo extractor when he pulls the mojo out and it goes into the mojo extractor tube yeah. and all those little worms come out of there yeah. i built this huge manifold with different gels in there and they hand pulled a pump down yeah. and it shot those all into that thing on set so Super it was groovy. really you know they're like what you could do that you could make that you know so that part was really fun, and the engineering part really, really helped me uh, get all these jobs. Most of my stuff is technical stuff. The yeah. movie, uh, the film The Rock, mm-hmm. the bomb from The Rock, the string of pearls. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's one that I like. That's it's green hair gel, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's that's funny. You were saying you used, uh, what was it, LA Looks or something in the, no, uh, what's the name of the hair gel that you used? Prell. Prell. Yeah, yeah, we just Prell. used like Prell hair <laughs> shampoo or whatever it was <laughs> yeah. in glass balls. And uh, in fact, there's one scene where the guy drops it and it melts him. Yeah. Uh, I always say he wouldn't melt, he'd just have really good hair. <laughs> <laughs> So. <laughs> and then tell me, what's, there was some kind of controversy around that that bomb that uh, that you designed. Um, was it? Did oh, did the, the rock bomb? Yeah. Uh, 
and that wasn't my design. We just built it. Oh, okay. Uh, the uh, two years ago, England did a, a a report on why they got into the war in the Mid East. Yeah, and their intel had said that the they had chemical warfare similar to the bomb used in the movie The Rock, and the report actually had a picture of the bomb. From the movie? From the movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. I started a war. No. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I'm partially... And that was actually at the ham prop room, so I should say they started the war. I just did what they told me yeah, to. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not my fault. You, I didn't do it. You just made it believable. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Mercury Rising yeah. briefcase cost yeah. them $27,000. That's what... I was at the ham prop room then, and that's what they charged them for that briefcase. It's in the movie about three seconds. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's in twice, about three seconds each time. You're like, hey, man, that's how I paid what? my rent. You guys what? couldn't have put that in a little yeah, bit more? Yeah, couldn't it be in there longer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and is that a little, um, I don't know. Is that a little bit, I know it's kind of a fleeting thing. I know that your passion is like creating things and, and being able to execute them, but like, that's got to sting a little bit of like, oh, 30 seconds? Come yeah, on. Yeah, it's like being an actor. This is my little actor that yeah. I've given you. I had and one then, line. Right, and I have one lousy line. <laughs> what heck? You know. But I'm in it. So, and for me, too, it's never been, uh, my career has never really been about the money. I'm more a people, you know, I love the work. I, I If I do something that I don't feel is good, I'm unhappy. If I do something that I really like, then I'm really happy with it. And uh, the cool part is you get paid to do it. You yeah. Know? So uh, don't get me wrong. I like money. I'm just saying sure, it's yeah. not my number one trigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the one, for instance, is I did, we did, at the hand prop room, we did Scorpion King. And we did just about everything for that movie. Weapons, uh, heads in bags, rhinestones knives yeah. swords i did uh michael clark duncan's sword and the rock sword the hero swords that are in the movie the whole time and uh i went to see that movie by myself yeah and i'm sitting in the theater going oh and oh hey look oh i uh, and there's nobody to tell but it was it was really cool because all my actors were all throughout this whole movie you know yeah they had all these big parts yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you're so, nudging a person who's like, hey, see that dagger right there? Yeah, hey, exactly. I did that. I and killed a scorpion king. It's cool to say, hey, I designed and did uh, Dr. Evil's chair. And actually, I didn't even design it. They designed it, and then I modified it to make it functional. Work. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's like a group thing. For sure. Uh, and then, uh, so that kind of stuff is really, for me, that's what's cool, you know? Absolutely. Hey, yeah. you know that wheelchair in Mulholland Drive? Yeah, I did that, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, is that the only thing you did for Mulholland Drive is the, the chair there? For Mulholland Drive, I did the chair, mm -hmm. the alien key, and the alien safe. And the alien safe is uh, was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. David Lynch is about the coolest movie guy director that i've he is the coolest that i've ever met really and got to work with yeah he created some pretty rad uh movies too i mean Eraserhead and some iconic uh films twin like peaks twin and peaks then, yeah. yeah um let's see oh the elephant man i don't know there's tons yeah. of them out there but yeah very very unique creative uh fellow I but just a sweetheart too i yeah. mean just awesome uh you know he he on the set he was one of those directors that, uh, like, if you did, if he asked you to do something and you didn't do it exactly like he said, he wouldn't come in and go, "Oh man, what the heck are you doing?" Yeah. He would say, "Oh, thanks very much for doing that, but hey, could you move that and do this and do?" I mean, yeah. And I experienced that with him directly. He was just once you were David's guy, mm -hmm. you were David's guy, and so. Uh, yeah. That's awesome, man. A good guy to work with. Yeah. I did a straight story with him, too, which was a really obscure film about a guy going to visit his brother, and his only transportation was a riding lawnmower. Yeah. Oh, It was yeah. Harry Dean Stanton. That's right. Yeah. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. What's the name of that? 
a straight story. A straight story is the yeah. name of the movie. Okay, I gotcha. And the um, actor, the actor that was one of the actors was had quit smoking like six months before and wouldn't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Or cigars, but his character needed to smoke cigars. So we did herbal. We made herbal cigars without any tobacco. We had made these big old stogies. They looked beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And he smoked those through the movie, and it was just you know I don't remember what the herb was, but it was something that wasn't tobacco and had no nicotine. Yeah. At the time. Wasn't that the, the his, I think that may have been his final piece of work too. It was that actor's final piece. He died of can, uh, lung cancer. Yeah, not too long after. I, I remember seeing like he was kind of already in in poor health. Yeah. Uh, doing this as you mentioned, like he stopped smoking right. and just you know last too late. Effort. Too yeah. late, man. Yeah. yeah, too late at this point. But that's rad. Um, tell me a little bit more about the the safe uh, that that you created. Oh, the, so the, the safe was is my favorite piece of the whole entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the prop master came to me. This was, that was the first thing I actually did for David, and I hadn't met him yet or or anything. So David uh, wanted a three inch square, three or four inch square aluminum block with a triangular hole in one side, polished and then blue anodized. So yeah. we made that. Yeah. And, uh, and when you get something like that, when you get these specific directions, are you like? Okay, I can do that. That ooh, the blue is going to be difficult. Is there something that you're like, mm, I got to consult? I never say never. No. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'll at this stage in my life too, I never say never. I can figure out how to do just about anything with help. You know, sure. I mean, if I'll get an expert in whatever. Yeah. Uh, in this particular thing, anodizing. Okay, I need you guys to mix me a blended color that comes out. You know, and. Uh, Again, the engineering background where I've anodized and used plasma cutters and welders and sheet metal and all of this stuff makes it pretty easy yeah. just finding the people that are the craftsmen to help build it all. Because I can't, I can run a lathe or, or do that sort of, you yeah. know, pretty good, yeah. whatever. Uh, but I don't do it. I'm not a machinist. So you get somebody that's just fabulous. In fact, after the after I did Mulholland Drive, one of the guys that worked for me at the uh, at my shop was an excellent machinist. And David Lynch called me and said, "Hey Jim, do you know anybody that's a machinist that would come and work at my home shop for me?" Yeah. And so I asked him, and he's like, "Hell yeah!" So he worked <laughs> for him about two or three years in his private home that's machine shop. Awesome! So, yeah. Uh, so he was that good. Sure. Anyway, uh, about two months after they started shooting or a month after they started shooting, the prop master calls me and says, hey, Jim, David would like to see you. So I went in, talked to him. David said, okay, Jim, I need that same exact box, but here's the difference. First of all, it has to open up, but I don't want to see any hinges. I can't see any. It can't look any different than the one we've been showing through the whole film. And the triangular hole, triangular hole has to open up with this key. And he gave me a drawing of this triangular key with this crazy looking head. Yeah. And uh, Is David Lynch doing the sketch? No, I don't know who did the okay. sketch. He may have, but no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, and he says it has to rotate a quarter of a turn or whatever so it looks like it's unlocking and then it needs to open up and I cannot I I can't impress upon you enough you cannot see any hinges or whatever yeah I go okay whatever and so I left <laughs> and I have a cousin who's a master machinist I mean he's been machining since he was about 14 years old and machines little teeny gears and all kinds of stuff yeah so I called him up and I said okay here's what we got to do so what we ended up doing is we did a, a post spring hinge. So it's drilled through. It's hard to describe, but we drilled inside the block. Yeah. We put two posts inside the block with springs on them so that you basically could lift the top up and down off of it. Yeah. And then we put a step. We made the top and put a step like a safe in it mm -hmm. so that when you opened it up, you couldn't even see the back edge where those hinge springs yeah, popped up. Mm -hmm. And then we took the uh, top, cut the triangular hole out of a round piece of material, 
press that up in from the back side and put a locking ring on the inside so you couldn't see that. So all there was was a little teeny line around that circle around the triangle. Yeah. And then the edge of the lid that you could see. And then my cousin took a machine cut over all of that to make sure the seams were just as perfect as possible. We took it apart, had it anodized, put it back together, and I took it to, when it was ready, I went down to the set, and David was in his trailer. He just finished eating and meditating and what. Yeah. And so, I walked in and uh, with the prop master, and the prop master goes, "Hey, Jim's here with the with the. Jim's here. Yeah. Uh, and he go, I so I said, "Hey, David, blah blah blah," and handed him the safe. And he looks at it and goes, wow, this is really nice. Where's the one that opens? I go, no, that's the one that opens. <laughs> yeah. And he, so I said, just lift up on it. And he opened it up and he's like, that's over the moon. He was just like freaking out. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. like the most uh, enjoyment I got out of just being, seeing his face at the time. And yeah. he was just, you know, it that, came out perfect. Yeah. I have to thank my cousin for that. I mean, he's... He was really, really good. Yeah, that's really that's a there's a huge payoff of of uh, being able to make somebody brighten up like that and be like, this is exact, this is better than I could have imagined. It like was it. better than getting paid. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it really was awesome to have David Lynch go, oh, wow, this is over the moon. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. that's nice, and you can keep that in your in your tool belt, you know, for for exactly. You know, I don't know, it, it, just inspiration of like, hey. David Lynch thought my uh, little little piece that I, I collaborated on was was over the moon. Yeah, you know? I have a I have a David Lynch site on my Facebook. You know, cool. The group of people that just like David Lynch stuff. Yeah, and every once in a while, somebody will put up a picture. There's a poster from the movie that's just the safe. Oh, nice. That little alien safe sitting there. Wow. And I'll go, oh, cool, thanks. I made that. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. It's that's... good for your ego. You know, I mean, I have an ego. I just keep it quiet so sure. that I don't conflict with somebody who's higher up on the chain. <laughs> Certainly. Certainly, yeah. It's nice to get your own back padded, I guess. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, nice. Very nice. That's awesome, man. Um, also you've done some, some work in, in Shreveport. I, I saw a beautiful. Well, so about, uh, 12 years ago, I went to Shreveport. Uh, I had gotten out of the prop business cause I had a young son and, uh, just, just the two of us. And so I couldn't work 90 hour weeks. So I stepped out and sort of went into themed environment stuff yeah. and, uh, uh, in Los Angeles and, then I had an opportunity to go to Shreveport to help liaison on a film uh, between props and because it was so far across the country from L.A. So I went, and I loved it there. The people were really nice, and yeah, uh, it's about 40% cheaper to live in for sure Shreveport than it is in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm raising this young kid. He could start school here. It's more like when I was growing up as a kid. Traffic's a little better. Yeah, oh, yeah, to say the <laughs> least. You can get anywhere in 15 minutes. It's all. It's about like here. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I started making props there. So I did a bunch of work on films there. They were smaller budget films. Olympus is Falling. I built the uh, uh, built Gatling guns and drone planes, and uh, uh, my favorite piece that I did for that is I built a blood rig knife. Yeah. But for close-ups, so that the director on on camera, the actor could have his neck slit, uh -huh. and blood would come out of the edge of the knife as he was dragging it across. Yeah. How which is you... hard to do I when was... it's a big deal like that sure how do you keep a dull knife that also spurts blood that will well that's the fun that's part the for me that's the engineering <laughs> part for me that was so fun i did all kinds of uh years ago for oz i did retractable daggers and stakes and why every everything you could imagine yeah uh syringes all the syringes you see the needle just goes up into the thing anyway yeah. uh 
I'm giving away all the secrets to everybody. <laughs> so the blood rig knife, normally they just have a copper tube runs up one side and a little syringe ball on the handle so that they can just squeeze it and blood comes out, looks like the edge of the knife. Yeah. But this guy wanted a close-up, uh, so you couldn't see any of that. So uh, what I did is I, we manufactured a blade thicker than normal. Mm-hmm. And I drilled, we drilled down the length of the blade and then penetrated from the side, the edge of the blade into the, the, the long drill, the gun drill. And then I put a syringe inside the handle. So I cut away the handle so that you could put a syringe bottle in the handle. So when you're holding it, yeah. all you see is a normal knife, yeah. except for one little teeny hole on the edge of the blade. So all he had to do is not put the blade edge to camera. Yeah. And he did it and squeezed that thing with his hand, and it was beautiful. Awesome. It looks really good. Yeah, so, yeah. So uh, those kind of things are what give me pleasure. You know, I love figuring out how to do stuff yeah. like that. Do you think that uh, that um, like magicians uh, are like just master uh, machinists and and engineers? And... Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely do. I mean, my favorite two movies are, of course, uh, Pres- the Prestige. Yeah, of course, David Bowie's in it, so that's of course, cool. as Tesla, Nikolai Tesla is yeah. like a hero of mine. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, magicians are amazing. All the mechanics that they have to figure out to do all that. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally in awe of yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, levitating. Oh, and yeah. And you got like the, the needle through the arm and then it comes out the other side oh, yeah. and the blood it's spurt. Great. And yeah, yeah. I, I imagine. And they have to do it live on stage with people watching. And, yeah. you know, uh, so you really got to know your stuff. For sure, for sure. Make sure there's no floating wires anywhere. right exactly <laughs> very cool um i guess uh where we can go from here is kind of um talking about uh just your your thirst for for creating um you know i i suppose it started at an early age you said you were working on cars since you were like 16 17 yeah and i and started sort of... as a kid being i mean uh, I started, my mom was a, uh, an artist of sorts. She, as a teenager in that, she was a, a great animator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she started me off when I was in, you know, I don't even remember when I started really drawing. But I remember I did a drawing in first grade that got some kind of award for how cool it was. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what it was. but uh, I think that's like the first sign as, a, as like a kiddo. You start doodling. Yeah. And then um, that evolves to, you know, a really amazing dude. Like this, you did this? You did, Your parents didn't help you out? Like, yeah, I yeah, used a yeah, ruler for this. some straight edges there and then kind of came in and cleaned it up and then I went back over it with a permanent. What I, like, man, you're pretty technical. I, um, I imagine that's where it starts. Uh, is, is like For that, me, that that's when it started. And then my whole life, my mom was really... Uh, my parents got divorced when I was 13, and we moved from San Francisco area to Los Angeles with my mom. And my mother was always super, super, uh, you know, do what you want to do. Ooh, like you can that. do anything. Yeah. Uh, everything you do is awesome. You know, not really. Of course, I got in trouble. I sure. was a kid, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just saying as far as what I wanted to do, my art. And that she was like behind me every step of the way. And uh, my dad was a real estate mogul and he wasn't that way. He was like, art, you'll never make it as an artist. That's ridiculous. You got to be a salesman. (laughs) I I think I was about 40 when I said, dad, you know what? Everybody's a salesman. Yeah. Everybody is. You're selling. You're either good or bad at selling yourself. You're always selling yourself for something, you know? So, uh. Uh, he never really got the whole art thing. Yeah. But in spite of that, like I said, I, my mother and, and her family and that were all really uh, helpful in making me stick to it and do that kind of stuff. So I, I started drawing. I started building stuff. I mean, I tore apart telephones at home and put them back together and not always when they still worked when I was done. And this <laughs> is the old kind. a little different about it. 
this is the old kind, the, the rotary spin dial telephones. I'd yeah. take them all apart and take the bells off and unhook them, put them all back together. And they looked right, but yeah. they didn't work. My dad would come <laughs> home and go, what the hell? What happened to the phone? I guess it just broke. We got to get the know. phone company out here. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> and then it never stopped. I mean, I started, I went from that and then started building cars. And for years and years... Uh, before I got into the movie props and started uh, leaning towards the art side of my talent, I, I would build cars constantly, work on them. And when I say build, mostly my stuff is the cosmetic, the look yeah. of them. You know, I'd cut tops off of the car and drop it down six inches and put it back together, weld yeah. it back together and do all of that. Uh, paint them myself. Yeah. So... That became my art until I got into the movie props, and then the movie props sort of led into the themed environment stuff and doing that. And there's a liquor store in Shreveport that I turned. It's called Cuban Liquor, mm -hmm. and they wanted it to look have a Havana look inside. So we built these fake structures all on one back wall and built palm trees. I uh, built a palm tree wrapped around their refrigeration lines that dropped down in the middle of the store because cool. they had their daiquiri machines. There. Yeah. So it was cool. And so it's the most fun I get is figuring out, you know, how to make it work. Sure. You know, yeah. I can I can think up crazy stuff, and, and which is normally when I have a customer that says, hey, we want to do this, I'll go as far out as I can. And then come back to budget, you know, yeah. so that we can build it in budget. But then it's figuring out how to make that all work. And we just finished doing an aquarium in Shreveport, yeah. a small one. Uh, and we themed like four rooms out. And one of them was like a mangrove village with buildings and murals that pop off the wall and big mangrove trees that are real, yeah, look real. Uh, but yet they're coming out of the tanks, so they have to be friendly. To so it's finding materials and doing sure. all of that that's yeah. fun for me. Besides the creativeness, the design stuff. Yeah, that's pretty amazing that you've always been able to engage that uh, left brain uh, mentality, make that work for you all throughout your life. Um, and you've fallen into some pretty pretty sweet gigs just doing doing what you. I've been really with. lucky. Yeah. I've been really really. <laughs> really lucky for I sure. mean, just career wise because like i said it's not always about money for me it's about the creative yeah. juices that get to flow and the, using my particular talents and so yeah absolutely is there is there a part of your your job or, or your career that that you dislike um or, or something that's kind of a drag uh <laughs> that you don't like dealing with <laughs> the accounting part <laughs> You know, I mean the the money side of all of it. Spoken like and, a, spoken and, like a true left brain person. Yeah, like, you know exactly. what the numbers are kind of uh, kind of screwy. Which is weird because being an engineer, I'm really good with numbers, sure. and I you know, uh, I do all my own file, all my own drawing, all my own engineering, all my own. Uh, you know, I I manufacture or I do drawings for to translate into DXF files that you can water jet and yeah. do that, and so. I've got that side, but when it comes to the accounting side and uh, thinking about the business side of it, I have it. I can do it, but I'm really lucky. My wife's an accountant, so <laughs> I give her all of that. And a, a really good friend of mine who's uh, an incredible artistic talent, Brandon Oldenburg, he once told me, Jim, you know, the accounting stuff that just ruined that just kills creative brain cells. I just can't do it. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. And so he's right. You know, for me, certainly, I don't want to think about. Okay, uh, I'm spending more money on this than I should in order to make this much money on this project. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's got to have this. It's <laughs> got to be this good. You know. So, uh, I'll take less money. And my wife said, uh, wait a minute, wait, we got to eat, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's fun. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with like a bad drawing? I'm sure you get past just the worst looking doodles ever. Uh, or or do you get a pretty fair share of, of talented artists to say, 
you know, we kind of touched on it briefly when you're like David Lynch handed me a, a, a drawing that said, uh, or that, that had a, a, the key that he wanted to use. Um, have you ever get past a, a doodle that you're like, what is this? Is this bowl of spaghetti? <laughs> right, exactly. What is this thing? <laughs> I've had stuff like that come from different people or, uh, uh, you know, uh, at various times I've had people draw something and they're not really an artist. They're sure. just trying to get the idea across. Yeah. One of the things that really helped me is uh, in my early engineering career, I would do a lot of drawings, hand sketch them. So I mm-hmm. do a sheet metal layout of a sheet metal box. I draw it in, in you know, 3D form and then I'd lay it out in the flat so they'd know where to bend it and how to do that. And I'd do that all by hand yeah. uh, on a grid piece of paper instead of doing it on a drafting machine or, or in the early days and then later on a computer. Uh, so I got really good at like you tell me, hey, Jim, I want something like this, and I can sit there and sketch it out while you're talking to me yeah. and give you something that you can say, oh, yeah, that's it, or no. Uh, so it really helped with these directors when they'd come in and say, oh, well, we need this thing to do this and blah, blah, blah. Um, I've always been really good at getting visual triggers from people. And, that's good. Yeah, so it, it worked really well for me. Very Not to have to go do all that exotic, you know, spend hours and hours and hours doing a drawing and then have you go, oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, toss you know, it. I have hundreds and hundreds of sketches from my prop building days of things that I did that nobody ever even used or wanted or whatever. Yeah. And, but I never throw any drawings away of mine. I've got a ton of sketches that are of zero use that I have a really hard time throwing away. And a lot of them are just like, doodles at the bottom of notes in school where I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of cool. It looks like a, a big, you know, giant guy is destroying the city and like a, and a space aliens above it. And then above it's, you know, notes about whatever. Okay. Well, I'm even worse than that. Well, I'm the same, but I think I'm maybe even worse. I don't, I have constantly, I have like a eight and a half by 11 notepad, either a grid pad or a regular just line pad of paper. Mm-hmm. Wherever I am, I make notes constantly. Uh, I've been called Mr. List because I'll make lists <laughs> constantly of what I have to do and do all of that to be organized. That's the organized non-art side of myself. Yeah. But then all of those notepads also have the same thing as you were just saying. They have little scribbles of like, oh, man, I should do a, a, a you know, a fleur-de-lis but it should look like flames coming out of all the tips and stuff or whatever yeah and i'll draw it out and it'll just be on one of those pieces of papers so consequently i have boxes full of those pads i never rip a page out of them and i never throw them away (laughs) i just when they're full i put them away in a box and so i probably have i you know i could have more but i probably have four good sized boxes just filled up notepads that I'm like, well, what if I need to go back and figure out how I built that, yeah. you know, yeah. years ago? Uh, what if they want another one, which they never do. <laughs> Nobody ever wants another one. <laughs> yeah. And then I have, then I have a, another whole box that's just scribbles or sketches or whatever. Oh, here's a prop idea or here's a piece of furniture that I'd like to build this or, yeah. you know, uh, crazy yeah it it, it was hard in the move from shreveport to here because it's like oh uh, why don't you throw some of that stuff away i'll bet yeah earlier i told you i had a textbook Mm -hmm. that my boss had built for me a mimeograph paper the old stinky mimeograph paper that you probably don't even ever saw one of those machines i still have that yeah and that company uh he passed away a few years back but his daughter, who I worked with, runs the company now. She's the last one left, and she runs the company. And she called me a couple of weeks ago, uh, sent me a message and said, Hey, Jim, I know you keep stuff. Uh, <laughs> is there any chance that you have our old logo from the 50s uh, on file, a clean copy that we could digitize or whatever? Because we can't find one anywhere. 
And I texted her back. I go, yeah, I got two or three different versions <laughs> yeah. of it. <laughs> which one do you want? She's like, which one do you want? She goes, oh, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least yours serve a purpose. Mine's just like a grocery list, and then I drew like a, a, a milk jug. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good milk jug. Yeah, and then I'm three keep more. It. Yeah. <laughs> but you never know when you're going to need that. You know, you're going to go, oh. I drew a milk jug once. It was really cool. It needs to be on this piece of art. Whatever. Yeah, that's you know, you true. Don't know. That's true. Oh, very good. I mean, I have drawings from my teen years that, you know, I have a drawing of an arm doing the peace symbol yeah. that I drew uh, right after Martin Luther King was killed. Oh, wow. And I just kept it. You yeah. Know? Uh, I, crazy, crazy, silly stuff. Yeah. I have stuff that I drew when I was not necessarily in full capacity. <laughs> yeah. That I kept that too. You know, I'll do a drawing, you know, uh, back in the day, smoke a little doobie, do a drawing. And for some reason, I lose all my perspective yeah. when I'm doing that. So I look at it that night and it's like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. And then I look at it the next day and I'm going, what the hell's wrong with that guy's arm? It's like all distorted or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah it's kind of like my uh, my movie reviews. Uh, if, I, if I smoke a little weed, I'll see the best movie you've ever you know ever ever written um, and come and I'll tell the world about it and then I'll see it again. And it'd be like what? And I'd be like, man, I, I, how embarrassing! I can't believe I, you know, thought that was the best. You movie have to ever. go back and add a footnote. Please smoke plenty of pot before you <laughs> yeah, watch this movie, yeah. and then you'll think it's good then, too. Yeah, then right. that, that's all you need is just a little weed, and then right. you're, you're completely right. fine. <laughs> yeah, the bad part for that for me about that, it's always been that way. I can't work. I'm the I, same I way. Yeah, I'm I just. Can't work. I had a roommate that was productive. As she, he was. I don't want to say it was worthless, <laughs> but um, super productive. He would smoke a dupe and and take apart something, put it back together again, much like uh, you were saying with the telephone. But he would, all right, it's time to paint my bike. And like, right. I'm like, I'm sitting on the couch vegging out. Right, exactly. And he's, and I'm... I'm using him for entertainment. I was watching like, man, this is wild. I can't believe you're so productive that's what, right now. That's what it always was for me. I had a hard time going out. I had to, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the creative side of me would just go, yeah. you know, I'd be, uh, I couldn't do it. I, I, everything I would try to do would just be like, huh? What? Yeah. Wait, I forgot what I was doing. And that's when I was young. Now yeah. that I'm old, you know, I'll forget what I'm doing going to the, uh, other room to get my glasses. What <laughs> I did I come in here for? Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too far off, actually. Yeah. I understand. Definitely been there. Um, well, Jim, we're kind of at the point um, where if we didn't cover anything in the podcast that you want to talk about, we're, you're, you've got the podium, and if not, you can pass it right back. Feel satiated? Yeah, I think we cool. covered a, a lot of my history yeah. up until where I am now. And, yeah. and, you know, you feel exposed. You're like, man, now everybody yeah, I'm knows. All exposed. <laughs> everybody knows the real me. What the heck? He doesn't know nothing. He just gets people that know things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is my biggest talent: finding other talent. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, letting them be creative. I was going to say the one thing is in Shreveport, uh, I had a ten thousand square foot shop. Yeah. With just about any equipment that you could possibly imagine. So the nice thing there, not only did I do all my own stuff, but the good thing for me was career-wise, all the other artists, not all of them, but a lot of the other artists that would do a structural piece, they couldn't actually build it themselves and they couldn't make it structurally sound themselves. So, yeah. uh other artists would win designs for bike racks, say, so to speak, uh, which is actually what happened. They did like 10 different versions of bike racks, and two of the designs were mine and my business partner, Bruce, and we built all of them because nobody else in town could do it. And we had the ability and the contacts to build uh, big, heavy pieces and do that. So that was really good for me. But we also... I'd say 90% of our team, when we would build something, would be artists and kids from Centenary College, from the school there, all artists, all young artists yeah. uh, from school that had been students before or were students now. And uh, 
we would pay them to do it. I had one young man, Kyle, that worked for me for about five years. And when he came to us, he had some mechanical skills and some building skills and that. But when he left, he told us, you know, he wrote this really nice letter saying that Bruce and I had really taught him so much of what he knew how to do now. And now he can do, you know, he can build it. I taught him how to paint real painting with, uh, like car painting and, and structural painting and that stuff to, yeah. to do. So, uh, it makes me feel good to help other artists that are starting out now and see that you can, if, if you're at it, you can make a living yeah. out of being an artist. Yeah. Mostly. You may not get rich, but you can make a, a good living. Yeah. I just dropped my microphone. <laughs> um, it was either that or thunder. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Um, we're at the point of the uh, the podcast. We always end with a poop story. Uh, doesn't have to be your own. <laughs> okay. Um, if you've got a poop story of a friend that's that's epic or uh, uh, somebody that you know, that's that's entirely appropriate too. But in in um, tradition of the of the podcast, we always end with a poop story. Do you have a poop story? I do have a poop story. <laughs> at least one. Everybody's but got this. At least everybody's one. got to have a poop story. Uh, and this one. I'm in the story, but it's not my poop story. It is my poop story, but it's not my poop, I guess. That's what I would say. So anyway, I was probably in my early 20s. Yeah. Uh, I was working for the first engineering company, and I was traveling around the country doing, uh, uh, helping install equipment that we had built. And I had been to, like, New York and then... Uh, Boise, Idaho, and all over, and I was heading home, uh, and at the time, everything was flying, you know, you don't drive around all that. Yeah. Um, so I was in the Salt Lake City airport, and on a layover, waiting to get on a plane to go to Los Angeles. The story's already shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's already <laughs> shitty, sitting all there for hours, whatever it was. So I had to go to the bathroom, so I went in the bathroom, and it's this big, huge, echoey, giant bathroom. And there's not a soul in there. I think it must have been later in the evening. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the stall, you know, my stuff's hanging there. and No cell phones or anything, so there's nothing to do. You're just yeah. sitting there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I hear the door of the bathroom slam open. It's yeah. just like... <laughs> and I hear somebody running in, clomp, 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 running into the stall next to me, gets in there. And he barely got the door closed, and I hear this huge huge just really <laughs> massive juicy <laughs> and the guy goes oh great <laughs> and i'm sitting and there's only the two of us in the whole place it's totally quiet and he goes oh great so i'm visioning this guy didn't get his shorts off or i mean he just barely got in the room and he just let it loose and yeah. so i can imagine the mess and i can smell the mess yeah and I'm just like, <laughs> my hand is over my mouth and whatever, not to bust up laughing. Yeah. And so I quietly got out, you know, got done, got out. Yeah. I got out before the guy came out. I sure. didn't even want to see oh, who yeah. had this. So I'm sure he didn't want to see anybody. I doubt yeah. he had his whole suitcase in there. Yeah. But it was just, it was just like, clunk, door slam. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> And as a 23-year-old, you're like, bah! Yeah, this is hilarious. hilarious. Made right. the whole trip. Right. Of it was great. It was a good one. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, you did great, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. That's it for us. And play us out shitty ukulele. Awesome, man.